Well, I want to welcome everyone here today, wherever you are, across the nation, across the globe. Thank you for joining us for this message from Running With Fire Ministries. I trust that you're going to really be blessed and strengthened in your walk as you move forward in God. You may have heard of this statement, new levels, new devils. It's probably not something we like to hear. But over the last couple of years, Church Unlimited has moved, and many of you have moved to a new level in God. We've seen increase. We've seen new campuses. New Zealand Beyond has doubled in size twice. There's been acceleration of expansion. National influence has grown. And we all rejoice, I'm sure, in the new levels that God has been giving us. But we need to be aware that when God is on the move, so is the enemy. It's almost like they work together in tandem. And uh, that's where we get the statement from, new levels, new devils, or new challenges, new obstacles, new mountains, new valleys, call it what you like. Over the last year or more, and Adrian will testify to this, I've faced some challenges in my life that I've never faced before. They're literally new devils, and uh, some of it has been extremely ferocious. And I've thought to myself, sometimes God doesn't have to be this hard. Does it have to be this difficult to do your will and fulfill your plan? And, uh, you know, I've, but what's helped me in all of this, friends, is that I've realized that, uh, you know, it was a spiritual battle, that God was taking me to a higher plane. The enemy was not happy, and so I was beginning to be attacked in, in new and in, in different ways. So every time God takes you to a new level, be prepared for new obstructions, new challenges, new obstacles to come against you. Because when, when sometimes when God's ready to take you up, you know what will happen? All hell will break loose around you. And you just think like, what on earth is this? Well, it's because God's wanting to take you up. And, and things seem to sometimes go out of control. But don't worry, God's got everything in control. Okay, God is always in control charge. And one of the ways you can God, know that God is moving you up, here's a way you can know it, is when the enemy comes in, when he attacks you, when he troubles you. And in that way, he actually confirms to your heart that God is taking you to a new place. So it's almost like what the devil's sent to discourage us. God can turn it around and actually encourage us. And think, All right, boy, if the devil's that stirred up, man, I must be really onto something. I must be moving forward in God. Because if God was not stepping you up to greater impact and you were no threat to the enemy, then I think he wouldn't bother with you. He'd just kind of like leave you alone and let you tiptoe through the tulips and, you know, just eat ice cream and cake and all that sort of stuff and just enjoy your life and happy clappy all the time. You know, the devil would leave you alone. But when you become a threat to him, he's not going to leave you alone. He's going to go after you because he's going to stop you from going to another level and having a greater impact for him. But there is, in all of this, there's no need to fear because we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. We don't worry about the devils. We don't run from devils. They run from us. All right, resist the devil. He will flee from Pastor Tart, Pastor Sam, Pastor... No, he will flee from you. You. You have the authority. You have the power. You can cause the devil to flee from your life. And when obstacles come into your life, it's very easy to think, gosh, what have I done wrong? And hey, look, if you're in big time sin, you're probably going to get attacked by the devil. But assuming you're not doing that, you know, you think you've done something wrong, but not necessarily so. Even the great apostle Paul said this in 1 Corinthians 16, 9, a great 
An effective door has opened to me, and there are many adversaries. Open doors and adversaries go hand to hand. It's almost like you don't quite get one without the other. Anytime you're trying to do something in serving God, the enemy will try and derail your vision. You need to stay on course. Don't quit. Don't give up. Don't get sidetracked. Let the enemy throw everything at you, including the kitchen sink. But you hold your ground because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. When the door of opportunity swings open, sometimes the devil is going to be waiting on the other side. But you don't have to worry about that, but just understand it. You see, God never said weapons would not fall. Weapons will form against you. But what he did say is they will not prosper. The weapon against you right now need not prosper. You lock into God, you pray, do the three days prayer and fast, do whatever you pray, do whatever you have to. Those weapons need not prosper. They will form. You can't stop them forming. But God tells us they will not prosper. They need not prosper in our lives. The enemy is not fighting you because you're useless, (laughs) because you're weak, because you're not going anywhere. He's fighting you because you're strong. Hello, you have a great future and you are a threat to the enemy. The most difficult chapter of your life can actually become your greatest triumph because this is often when we discover what God's equipping us, preparing us for, and He's equipping us to move to another level. The most difficult chapter of your life, when all hell seems to have broken loose, can be your greatest moment of triumph where you move forward into all that God has got for you. But sometimes, I don't know about you, but I have found that the new devil is actually in me. Hello? In other words, there's something in my life that God is wanting to sort out, something He wants to deal with. It may be pride, it may be ambition, it may be jealousy, it may be uh, self-control, it may be a lack of faithfulness in small things, it may be laziness. You know, whatever it is, you know, sometimes the devil is in us and God is wanting to deal with that and get rid of it so you can go to another place. Um, Because, you know, you can't go up if you don't give up something. What is God asking you to give up? It may be asking you to give up that ambition. He may be asking you to give up uh, uh, in in holding on to your finances and being more generous. What what is He asking you to give up? It may be a, a, a hobby or a sport that you're addicted to and it's taking too much of your time or a TV program that you spend too much time on or too much on the internet or whatever it might be. He says, you want to go up? There's something you've got to give up. Thank you for that excited response on that point. (laughs) No one wants to give up anything. So what is God asking you to give up? Ask yourself that question. Now, I need to add at this point that the new devil is not your husband (laughs) nor your wife, all right? You might think it is, but it's actually not. It's not that person. Husband said to his wife, when I die, sell all my stuff immediately. She said, well, why should I do that? She said, I figure you will remarry. And I don't want some other jerk using my stuff. (laughs) She said, what makes you think I would marry another jerk? (laughs) I heard all the women are laughing on that one. Not many men, I see a few manifesting. Hey, let's go to 2 Samuel chapter 5. All right. Now, hey, hey, look, today we've got quite a lot of Bible 
a lot of verses. Is that okay with everyone? Like, you know, you're not meant to have more than one or two verses, are you? But we've probably got about 10 or 15 today. So please don't send in a complaint to the church board, all right? Because there's nothing wrong with a few extra scriptures. So let me go. 2 Samuel 5, 17 and 18. Now the Philistines heard that they had anointed David king over Israel. Watch this. David's now king. Promotion. New level. Watch what happens. All the Philistines went up to search for David. And David heard of it and went down to the stronghold. The Philistines also went and deployed themselves in the valley of Rephaim. After 15 years of trouble, David reaches the fulfillment of his dreams. He's finally anointed over all Israel. All is well. What a great moment. He must be celebrating, calling, having a party, because everything was now fantastic. Right? Wrong. No. David has stepped to a new level, and as soon as he does, the Philistines, who is the enemy, hear of it, and they attack David. As soon as they hear of his promotion, they're after him. New level, new devil. David is anointed three times. Three times he goes to another level of anointing. Can I suggest to you that for you and us, for all of us, for the church, there are levels of anointing. You get one level, but then God lifts you to another level. Then he lifts you to another. I don't know how many levels there are, but clearly in the life of David, there's at least three levels of greater influence, greater impact, greater anointing. Do you know God's got more for you than you're experiencing right now? God's got more influence, more impact, more anointing for you. So let's have a look at these. First anointing, 1 Samuel 16, 13. Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the midst of his brothers. And the Spirit of God came upon David from that day forward. Remember when prophet Samuel came and he anoints David as a teenager. This anointing brings him into the king's court and to national prominence. It's a promotion. But it also brings opposition from his brothers, from Goliath, and from the jealousy of King Saul. New level, New opposition. Then there's a second one. He gets through all that. Then he gives a second anointing in 2 Samuel 2 verse 4. The men of Judah came. They anointed David king over the house of Judah. Now this is not Israel. This is just part of it. He's got part of the kingdom now. He reigns there seven years. And with this level comes open warfare between the house of David and the house of Saul. So there's another, another attack. There's another more opposition because David's going to it another level again. That's the second anointing, but it doesn't finish there, which we've just read now. There's a third anointing, 2 Samuel 5, 3. Therefore all the elders of Israel came to the king at Hebron, and King David made a covenant with them at Hebron before the Lord, and they anointed David king over Israel. So he's over the whole land now. Verse 10, David went up and became great. The Lord of hosts was with him. He's now leading the nations, and the Philistines again come and attack him. David's now aged 37. He knew he's entering his well, the zenith of his career, really, a whole new era of, uh, of, of uh, influence, but also a whole new arena of conflict. So he decides to capture Zion. You'd have to look this up. That was the strongest fortress in that area of Palestine. He was going to rule from Zion. But, you know, the enemy was determined to keep David out of Zion, and he had to overcome the Jebusites. All right, the, the, the Jebusites basically speak of those that sow discord. It speaks of uh, disunity. And many would say that the final enemy to be overcome in any circumstance in the church, in an organization, is the enemy of those who sow discord, of disunity. And you know, in the early church, when was the Holy Spirit poured out? When was the church born and turned the world upside? When they came to one accord. One voice and one accord. They were in such unity. Six times in the book of Acts, it talks about one accord. 
And so it's a fortress. David took that fortress of Zion. It was that, from that place that he would reign and rule. And you know, there's a prophecy that has come to Church Unlimited that we're in a moment in history uh, that we need to come together in unity of expectation. That would tell me that God's stepping us into that third anointing. It was an anointing for national influence that you know, that, that, that would have real impact, real ruling. But the, the unity had to come, uh, come before that so that they could rule effectively. And so, <clears throat> you know, most of us, we all want the anointing, eh? but we don't want any opposition. We all want the anointing, but we don't want any, any devils to come after. We don't want to battle. But after his third anointing, David has tremendous success. And I, I just want to suggest this, all right? I can't say this for 100% sure. But my feeling is this, that right now God's placing on Church Unlimited, and certainly on myself, the third anointing. We're just going to another level of influence. We've had anointing at this level, you know, and I could go through those, but I won't. Then there's another level. But right now, I think it's, it's the third anointing that has tremendous thing. And we're going to see favor and blessing that will astound us. I want you to expect God to do the extraordinary in your life, in your ministry, in your work, in your home. We're ready to do the extraordinary. I'm going to be traveling to the United Kingdom very soon to basically... Um, promote and organize United Kingdom and beyond. But already God's done some amazing things. Do you know that for United Kingdom Beyond in 2009, we already have two of the best-known speakers in the United Kingdom. We have Jay John and we have Mike Pilavachi. Jay John has just hired out the Emirates Stadium to have a one-day conference that seats 50,000 people. He is a, maybe the biggest player, or one of the biggest players in the United Kingdom, and he's speaking with Mike Pilavachi at our conference in September 2019. <laughs> And if that, if that was not enough, uh, J. John then contacted me just last week, and he said to me, Tark, while you're in the United Kingdom, he said, would you like to be on television? And I thought to himself, J. John, don't you know I'm already on television? <laughs> you know, well, what's the big deal here? You know, are you on television? I was going to say it. But I humbled myself, and I said, no, no, oh, that'd be great, great to be on TV. He said, look, uh, um, I can get you, uh, basically, he said, I can get you onto God TV. And so a few emails later, and I heard from God TV, and uh, they're now following me on Twitter like all of you should be. Anyway, and um, he, uh, they, they've set it up. I've got an appointment to, to they're going to interview me. It'll be a lengthy, I think it's a very reasonably lengthy interview. And they want to interview me about, about my ministry, about Church Unlimited, about United Kingdom and beyond. J. John said to me, God TV is a huge open door. They have one million Facebook followers and it's just a, a huge TV ministry across the United Kingdom, and we are going to be on it. God has done the extraordinary. It's, it's just, how, how do you do, how does that kind of thing happen? I'll tell you how it happens when you get under the third anointing, when, when the Spirit of God begins to open doors for you. And, uh, you know, I've got an opportunity to speak in some large churches, meet with some of the, the key leaders over there. And uh, it's, it's really just exciting what I think God is, going to, is, is doing for us. But David took the fortress of Zion to rule from. And as I've thought about this, a couple of thoughts have come to me. He ruled from this fortress. This is where he'd have influence from. I want to suggest that this fortress for us takes two forms. I'd like to suggest that firstly, it will be God will give us a fortress of incredible unity. It'd be like a fortress of unity 
In Church Unlimited, it's almost like no matter what the enemy does, no matter how much he attacks, no matter what angle he comes from, he will not be able to penetrate because we are brothers and sisters linking arms together, united in expectation with one voice and one vision to impact this nation and the nations of the world. There will be such a unity, such a love within this church, and it has been prophesied over the years. So I think that's one fortress, but I want to suggest another one. I think the other fortress that God is giving us from which we will rule and have great impact is New Zealand and beyond. And it's almost like we have to take this fortress. And to, to a measure, we did it this year, 2017, you know, when we peaked at 3,000 people. God, God, you know, really, really gave us that uh, New Zealand gone to a measure. But I believe it needs to go significantly beyond where we are at already and go to higher and higher levels because it will be, it's a vehicle God has given us to impact our community, our nation, and the nations of the world. So even though there are new devils and new levels, Romans 8, 37, we're more than conquerors. 2 Timothy 1, 7, God has not given us a spirit of fear, but love, power, and a sound mind. However, we do need to understand something, that we are in a spiritual battle. Do you all know that? It's a spiritual battle. Okay, let's look at this for a few moments. Ephesians 6, verse 12, we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but principalities, powers, against rulers of darkness in this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. Some Christians stop at, we do not wrestle. And they don't go any further than that. They just don't risk it. Devil, I'll leave you alone. You leave me alone. Hey, look, he'll make no deal with you like that. You leave him alone, he's still going to attack you with fury. Okay? So that's what he is like. Let's go to 2 Corinthians 10, 3 and 4. I told you there would be a few scriptures today. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds. Okay, that's very powerful stuff. And you know, topics, preaching on topics like new levels, new devils, spiritual warfare have been minimized in many Christian circles. I don't know why it's been happened, but it's been done. And so a lot of Christians have very little understanding of spiritual warfare. And so when the enemy attacks them, they, they kind of go into a natural realm and they work harder and do whatever, but they, got to, they, but they don't know how to use the spiritual weapons of war. We walk in the flesh, but we do not war according to the flesh. We war in the spirit. So we have to understand the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, they're not natural, they're not humanistic, but they are spiritual weapons, which we're going to look at in a few moments Time. Our battle is not with people. Our battle is with powers of darkness. You know, if you don't believe that, think about this. In our nation, there are probably tens of thousands, if not 100,000 Christians who once loved and served God but no longer do. They've just fallen by the wayside. Well, what has happened? Did they suddenly just decide, oh, well, I think I've had enough of this place? No. I believe what's happened is that somewhere along the line, the enemy came in, attacked them. They didn't know how to use weapons of war. They didn't know how to war in the spirit. And the enemy has taken them out. And I think it's a great tragedy. Did you know in the United States, James Dobson says, 80% of kids raised in Christian homes backslide as teenagers. 80%. That is a huge number, folks. We've got to fight for our kids with everything we have got. We've got to model Christianity and loving God and getting to church and all of these. We've got to model it to this next generation because kids listen with their eyes. They don't care about what you say. They look at what you do. 
They see how important serving God is to you. They see how important getting to church is to you. They see how important worshiping God is to you. They see how important praying is to you. And that's how they learn. We've got to fight for our kids. We've got to model Christianity. We've got to model the fire of God. We've got to live for Jesus. And then they can copy us. And that's why we do You might think, why on earth do you do this thing tonight? Friends, I'll tell you what we do. We're fighting for these kids. I'm fighting for your kids so that they will live for God all the days of their lives. And you don't have to go through the agony like many do of kids that are away from God. I'll never forget one preacher, well-known preacher that I highly admired. He had three kids and he ministered across the globe. He just made this comment to me one day. He said, Tark, He said, I can minister around the world, but he said, I'd exchange it all for my three kids following Jesus. He said, that's just so much more important than all the other stuff that I might do. And you know, friends, that's, that's, you know, I don't want anyone to feel condemned or bad, but we we do have to do everything we can, you know, because there's a war out there. There's a battle that's out there. There's a battle for this next generation like there's never been before. We need the weapons of war. We need to have a war in the spirit and fight for ourselves and for our kids as well. Satan is completely, you know, Jesus totally defeated Satan at the cross. Isn't that good news? Colossians 2.15, having disarmed principalities and powers, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them in it. The word spoil you know what it means when, he, when he's defeated and he spoiled the enemy? It means it speaks of, of stripping Satan of all his artillery and leaving him with no weapons to fight with. We don't have to defeat Satan, the enemy. Jesus has done that for us on the cross, all right? But we need to know how to enforce the victory that Jesus has already done, and we do that with our weapons of war that we will look at very shortly. Authority that God has given us is seen very clearly in Luke chapter 10, verse 19. Have a look at that. Luke 10, 19. Great passage. Verse 18 says, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Verse 19. If you've got your Bible or if you can read it with me, let's say this one together. Behold, I give you authority to trample on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. I give who authority? I give you Authority. Okay, tell the person next to you, that means you. Okay, you have authority over, uh, then it says over what? Some of the power of the enemy? Uh, a portion of the power of the enemy? You know, the small things that the enemy might, might do? No, it says you have a power over all. Everyone say all. Over all the works of the enemy. Whether a new Christian, old Christian, mature Christian, male, female, leader or not, you have authority over all the works of the enemy. I use this verse with effect over and over and over again. You've got to get it into your spirit. You've got to have faith in that verse, and then you've got to go after it and exercise it in Jesus' name. You know, maybe one of the best examples, I've got numbers of examples I can use, but, you know, when my dad was diagnosed and given three weeks to live, you know, I knew that if he, went, if he died as he was, as a Hindu, 59, he'd go to lost eternity. So I had to war in the spirits. One of the times I learned to war in the spirit, I prayed and fasted and sought God. And God defeated the enemy, crushed him under our feet, and, and, and sent him flying. My God, dad gave his life to Jesus, and today he is in heaven. Why? Because God said, I give you authority over all the power of the enemy to trample on serpents and scorpions. Friends, we have to start to believe this. We have to start to believe and understand we have this kind of power and this kind of authority to defeat the enemy. 
But we do have to be alert to Satan's schemes. 2 Corinthians 2.11. Now watch this carefully. Lest Satan should take advantage of us, for we are not ignorant of his devices. If you look this up in the Greek, the thought of devices is this. It's someone that is scheming, calculating, shrewd, and devious. In other words, Satan is, the hordes of hell right now are scheming, planning, how can I take this person out? How can, and he's, he's thinking about you, all right? How can I stop you? How can I get a hold of your life that really takes you out of the race for God? That stops you serving him. That causes you to walk away from God or whatever it might be. He, right now, friends, he is scheming how to afflict you. Not good news, is it? But it's true. Why have all these tens of thousands of Christians no longer walking with God? He schemed against them and overcame them. He won a victory over their lives. Means the devil's not just hoping to harm you, he's constantly planning to do it. And so we need to be alert to his devices, and usually he'll attack you where you are weak. He knows where you're weak. So you may have a problem with being easily offended, okay? So he'll go after, make sure someone offends you. You may have a weakness in the area of, 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 of um, you know, your, your mind. That, so he'll, he'll make sure porn, porn, pornographic stuff just comes up on your computer without you realizing. He'll plan it. He'll scheme it. He'll devise it to take you down. Or he may understand you have a problem with money. And so he'll create a situation where you're finding yourself being dishonest with your finances just to survive. So he works out. He's scheming. He's planning. He's singing. So sometimes we're asking, where am I weak? Where am I weak? And then... Be aware and be alert that this is where the enemy will come in and attack you. Anyway, let's go on to our weapons, all right? Our weapons. This gets a bit better here, all right? So I'm going to just give you four weapons. There's stacks of weapons I could give you this morning. I just want to give you four that were in my heart to give you, all right? The first one, first weapon is got to use, we've got to speak with authority. Got to speak with authority. So, you know, one of your kids is misbehaving. We'll call him Bruce, all right? Uh, sorry if your name is Bruce, all right? But Bruce is just doing it all wrong, and he's misbehaving. And, and you know, the dad says, hey, Bruce, now, now, now cut that out. Stop doing that, Bruce. Well, first he probably said, Bruce, would you mind not doing that? That doesn't work. Bruce, please stop doing that now. And Bruce still doesn't listen, you see. So, you know, take it five minutes down the line. And he said, Bruce, stop now, or else no McDonald's for another year, or whatever threat you want to put in there. Or, or you know, you take him upstairs and say, you know, time out for three hours. Eventually, Bruce is shaking in his boots and he does what he's told. When you're talking to the devil, when you're dealing with it, he's attacking you, right? So you don't say, excuse me, Mr. Satan. I really don't want to bother you. Is this a good time to talk, Satan? Is it, you, can I have an appointment now? Or, you know, and then maybe you've got a few tears in your eyes and you say, Mr. Satan, look... Look, if you, if you leave me alone, I promise, you know, I'll never tell anyone about Jesus again. Just, just, would you please leave me alone? And he's just laughing his head off. Friends, that's not going to get you anywhere. So this is what you need to do, something like this. You say, listen to me, Satan. 
In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, I command you, take your hands off my life, take your hands off my kids, off my family, off my relationship, take your hands off my career. I command you, get out of my life now in Jesus' name. You see, the devil knows if you know if you've got authority. He knows that. Just seen a good friend of mine sitting here right in the service with David McGregor's mum and dad. How you doing, buddy? How you doing? How old are you now? Hey? 96. Woo! So good to see you, man. So good to see you. You know, you're one of my biggest encouragers. He always comes up to after me. Oh, Pastor, that was such a powerful word, anointing. He always says, anointing. He has got it with that Holy Spirit, you know, anointing was on you, you know. Hey, good to see you. That's great. We all know David and Liz from Grace Vineyard. That's his parents. Awesome. All right. Let's go back to the scripture. Speak with authority. Number two, fasting. That's why we're three days of prayer and fasting. I encourage you to join with us. If you're in a desperate situation, if you're in a moderate situation, why don't you pray and fast? If you don't, why don't you just... You might think, I haven't got really battles on right now. Why don't you pray and fast for your kids? Hey, wouldn't that be an awesome thing to do? I promise you'll make a difference. It will. So fasting is a second thing uh, that we can do. And then we're going to join together on the Thursday night combined prayer meeting. Then there's praise. Praise. Why do Christians sing so much? Why do churches sing so much? Why did God create us? Because singing is powerful. Singing music brings heaven to earth. And it drives many scriptures talking about how praise drives away the enemy, drives away the powers of darkness. Derek Prince says, if you only got 10 minutes to pray, we should spend eight minutes praising God. A life of praise is a life of victory. I heard a prophet sharing about a person, they, they were casting a demon out of someone, and the demon spoke, which they sometimes do, all right? And uh, the demon said, we hate it when you worship. It's good to hear, isn't it? And then it went on to say, and when you clap, it's like you are hitting us, beating us up. Oh, we need to clap more, church. We need to clap a whole lot more, you know. So the next, <laughs> the next time you're battling, the next time you're struggling, can I suggest this? Instead of doing what we normally do, grumble, complain, moan, lift your voice in praise and see what God will do. Demons will flee. I say clap and slap the devil. Clap and slap the devil. You know, if he's troubling you, just start clapping and praising, and man, something is going to happen. All right, the last one is this. Daily declare authority verses. You know, your words create an atmosphere of victory around you, the right words do. Let me give you some authority verses. All right? James 4, 7. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Romans eight thirty seven. In all these things, we are more than conquerors through him. Who loved us, actually. 1 John 4, 4, greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. 1 Peter 2, 24, by whose stripes you were healed. Romans 16, 20, the God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet shortly. Yes, with new levels, and you're all going to go to a new level, there will be new devils, but we have authority over all the works of of the enemy. God has not given us a spirit of fear, but a love, power, and a sound mind. And greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Amen.